This is Talk of the Town with Jim Chapman, the choice of London, the voice of London. Okay. All right. Let's go. You ready, Ryan? Ryan, are you there? Are you actually there today? I'm always here. Yeah, okay, just checking, because you can't be too sure. Folks, we are live at the House of Hope, and we are here for the Hopes and Dreams Lottery. Uh, just two days left, well, two and a half days left to get your tickets, and we are here to remind you of the importance of you doing that. I want to give you the telephone number. It's 641-4673, 641-4673, and uh, you give them a call, and they'll get you a ticket and get you in the game. Thus far this morning, we've had 76 people call, as a result of our little broadcast here, and that's in addition to all the other ones that are getting sold. So uh, we're getting there, folks. That puts us, uh, what are we looking at now? About 18, less than 1,800 to go. Now, we've also said, and before I introduce my next guest here, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. We've also been telling you about the special contest that we are having at CJBK. Uh, we're trying to, we're not trying to, we're doing it. We are getting the uh, business community of London to get even more involved than they already have been, and they have been very involved. Here's how it works. You send us uh, your letterhead with a photocopy of your ticket that you've already bought, or ideally, ideally, um, you send us a note and say, I want to buy a ticket or a whole bunch more tickets, but either way. Or you send us a reasonably drawn facsimile of that ticket. That's for the government clowns, you know, you got to say that. Uh, what happens then is we take all these names, put them in a drum, and uh, the day after the Bethany's Hope Lottery, that'll be May the 11th, we are going to make a draw, and the winner of that draw will have us come on location to your business with Talk of the Town. It's a Friday show we're going to do it with. We're going to have the trivia show, Ask the Experts, all the hoopla and stuff that goes with it, and the advertisements and the... Uh, stuff that runs up to it so it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to make a lot of noise about your business now I, I don't want to slight anybody but i think it's important that we give you an idea of some of the people who have participated and if you have already and i don't read your name now please forgive me but we've only got so much time okay but i just do want to note some of the people who've uh, who've participated air ontario alfred's carpet uh, big apple bagel century wood products uh, current events that's Nick Panasico and Grant Smith. The uh, MCO bought five tickets. Grandeur Limousine Service, Hale Electric, Holiday Print and Litho, Hunter's Disc Jockey, London Coin Center, London Hydro, London Total Building Materials, uh, Multi-Mutual, Northland Mall Merchants chipped together and bought three of them. Phillips Mobility Products, Phonex Housing Cooperative, Pursuit Health Management, Q-Lube, Royal LePage Triland Realty with our own Joan Ball, Sparkles Cleaning Services, Spring Lake RV, Spring Lake uh, RV Sales and Service, they bought a couple. Stony Brook, Sunoco, thanks to our friends up there. Tiger Jacks, all the good people over there, Sam and Vicky and everybody. Van Rock Sound, Westell Builders, White Oak Shoppers, Drug Mart. Uh, uh, J.D. McCrane Associates, Raymond Brothers, Donnybrook Travel, Downtown Pontiac, Buick and St. Mary's, Brockman and Associates, Oak Ridge Ford, God bless the folks out there. They bought 10 tickets, Fred Bear. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm missing a whole bunch of people, and please forgive me, I'm, I'm not missing you on purpose, but we just want to give people the idea of the kind of response we're getting to this little corporate challenge of our own. So uh, we do invite you to do that, and we got another little extra on it, too. Uh, Charlie and the good people at Van Rock Sound, who have been providing some of the sound here for the special events, uh, if you uh, book um, a DJ for an upcoming event, uh, and you do it in the next two days here, two and a half days, they will buy a ticket and give it to you. So you, you, you book an engagement with them, they will buy a ticket and give that ticket to you. 
So uh, that's a little way they're trying to help. Uh, I can't say enough about the people who have the Cardinal Kitchens bought five. There's just, there's just a ton of people here. Uh, this is going to work. We're absolutely convinced we're going to meet our mark, and uh, we're going to do it. But we cannot do it without you, so we do invite you to join us and help out. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that later on in the program. We're going to give you a chance, uh, if you wish, to uh, call in and make your pledge on the air. If you haven't done so yet, we're going to talk to, I uh, hope to get Lindy back on with us. Lots more yet to come this morning here at the House of Hope. But it being Wednesday and it being after the 11 o'clock news, it's time for one of our regular features here, left, right, and center. Joining us today in his usual... Actually, you're not in your usual spot because we're about 10 miles from your usual spot. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> Bob Metz is with us, and uh, Elena Dempsey is here sitting in for the uh, vacationing, Jeff Schlemmer. He says, he says he's in court, but we don't believe him, do we? Uh, I have to. Yeah, have okay. To. Right. He's a lawyer. He's not supposed to lie. Nudge, <laughs> nudge, wink, wink. Uh, Elena is here uh, to join our discussion today, and as you know, folks, left, right, and center is not necessarily about arguing. It's about discussing the issues of the day from some varying perspectives. And the story I want to put to uh, to Bob and Elena this morning is it, people have been chatting about this. The, uh, the Ontarians for Responsible Government are running some ads. Uh, in fact, Ryan, can you tee up that ad? Have you got that ad there for us? Can you tee that up for me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, give me a minute here. Okay, Ron's going to tee that up for you, and we'll just play it for you, because you need to, I want to put this in context as to, uh, uh, as to what's happening. But the, uh, thanks to Mr. Justice Rand and the Rand formula, um, unions, clothes shop unions in, uh, in uh, Ontario, and I guess across Canada. Am I right? Elaine, is it across Canada? Across Canada. Yeah, across Canada. They uh, are able to take dues from, uh, some people would say extort, I'll just say take dues from all of their members regardless of their members' political affiliations, and then spend that money in a fashion that is determined by the union leadership, not necessarily by the union members. Although, uh, having talked to some union leaders about it, they believe that it is still democratic because the majority of their people support them. They elected them to do this. That's part of what we will discuss. Brian, have you got that there yet? Unfortunately, I'm going to need a couple more minutes okay, here. No, no, yeah, 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 no problem. That's okay, no problem, because I, I kind of sprung that on. The, the argument here... Bob and Elena, is that, that this is unfair for individuals who may not support the political views or the political goals of the union leadership to have to participate. The countering argument is that, okay, we'll accept that it might be unfortunate, but how else do we do it? Mr. Justice Rand felt that, that uh, union members who want to opt out of the union bargaining, as some people say, I, I don't want to be part of the union, if the union wins a contract, those people still benefit to the extent of that contract. And his feeling was that that justifies everyone paying into the union, even if you don't want to be an active member. Uh, Bob, <laughs> I guess, uh, I, what do you think of that? Is it, I didn't already know. Well, uh, I don't even think unions or corporations should be allowed to contribute to political parties. Um, that's where the problem begins, is that if you look at the way the political structure is set up in Ontario, three distinct units may contribute to a political party, and that is the individual, a union, and a corporation. Now, it seems to me that unions and corporations do not vote. People vote. Individuals vote. That should be what comprises political parties. And uh, I know that a lot of corporations who contribute to political parties are actually individuals who may be you know, just a small business operating as a corporation, and it's really the individual. But the whole idea that uh, that you can contribute through those corporate means, is, is it sort of skews the whole political system from the onset. And then when you take the other side of the situation, um, those who are unfortunate enough to find themselves, pace, uh, you know, faced with forced dues that they otherwise would not choose to pay, 
Um, what somebody does with your money after they've taken it from you is almost a moot point because if you didn't have the right to spend it in the first place, like who cares what they do with it afterwards? But even given that point, I mean, when I first heard these four stews blues ads, I thought, hey, that's music to my ears. This is making a real serious point, and uh, and it speaks to the heart of what our democracy is about. You shouldn't be you know, forced to give money to a certain institution and then in turn have that institution give money to parties you may disagree with. Elena Dempsey is with us sitting in for Jeff Schlemmer. Now, Elena, you're a lawyer and you've uh, certainly had some experience in the labor area. What's your take on this? Is, is the RAND formula a sensible solution to this problem? Well, I suppose that uh, in commenting on this, that Robert's uh, in introduced an interesting sort of issue on forced dues. And uh, I, I think that that in itself, it may be a bit of a misnomer. Uh, certainly, there is an obligation to pay these dues, and if that's what is called forced, then I suppose that's what uh, it is. But the, 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 the problem comes down to uh, collectiveness, whether one is philosophically opposed to uh, collectiveness or uh, prefers to let everyone uh, kind of go into the workforce and, and battle it out for themselves, uh, may be the fundamental issue that's coming here. Uh, but the problem really comes down to saying, we have a union, and this union has to be able to function. If everything is voluntary in terms of contributing to the union structure, uh, I, I think it wouldn't take too much, much time to understand that the union would collapse. But isn't there an argument to be made if that's the case, then let it collapse. If it can't get voluntary support, what's the point of having it? Well, I guess the, the, the philosophy behind it is that uh, on a personal basis, I may not like having some money deducted from my paycheck at the moment it is coming into my hands. And, but do we always let people make personal decisions uh, based on their personal needs when there is a collective uh, good that is an, an attempt through the union to, to put forward. I, I think the issue is not collectiveness, but whether the collective you're speaking of is a forced collective or a voluntary collective. I, people do things collectively all the time. That is what social interaction is about. But when a collective is forced, where people are denied their fundamental freedom of association, as promised us under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, um, then you have a different kind of collective. You have a collective made up of members who don't really support what the collective is about because there's no way to tell if they do or don't because whether they do or don't, they're still paying dues and they're still, you know, putting money into the pot. I think unions should have to earn their keep and prove to their members that they have something to offer. And, and I don't think unions would fall apart if they did have something to offer their members. I think that if someone who was, had a choice between being in a union or a non-union and found that by paying his union dues, his pay is going to be X dollars higher, he's going to be guaranteed certain working conditions he might not otherwise get, he might get benefits he might not otherwise get, um, if those are earned by his union, um, I can't see any problem with it, but what it about, should be voluntary. What about a scenario, Bob, where you had... Uh and this is not the scenario we have known. I put this to you too, Elena. If we had a scenario whereby you were free not to join the union, but any collective agreement uh, arrived at, this is essentially what you're saying, any collective agreement arrived at by the union applies only to the union members, and you're kind of on your own then. You can either negotiate with your employer on your own, or if you don't like the <laughs> offer, he makes it's you... It's funny. Can... 
last week, the reason I wasn't here was because I was in Toronto debating Sid Ryan, and I put that very question to him. And and he was very upset. He, his whole idea is that, that if, if uh, everyone isn't forced to pay into the same union dues, you know, they're all getting the same benefits. And I said, well, what if, what if the guys that don't pay don't get the same benefits? Well, he just evaded that issue entirely. Went off on another subject telling me how all the great things unions have done for people. And he sort of argued that if you're benefiting from something, you should be paying into the thing that causes your benefit. But if that were true, then I would also have to pay my competitors because competitors who, who may pay higher wages force my wages up. You know, you know what I mean. So yeah. I don't know, but I don't owe them anything because they've made conditions yeah, better, better uh, for me. I understand where you're it's going. It's all but part of the competitive yeah, but marketplace. Quite a stretch there, though, isn't it, to say that that you're you're because your competitors benefit or benefit you that you should be paying them. I mean, that's a little further down. Well, the in road. labor, no, not at all. In labor, if there's a hundred people working in a factory, they all compete with each other. Labor is a competitive force, and what unions do is is eliminate that element of co competition and and make everybody the same you get paid for the job not for the employee and you know you there's always this issue about the value of a job whereas i would rather see it spoken about in terms of the value of an employee elena what about uh, and i'm not surprised to hear that sid ducked that issue because i've debated him a number of times and he's a great ducker on oh that's like for sure <laughs> but from from your from a legal perspective is there any reason why we could not set up a system wherein here's the volunteer union you join the union negotiates with the employer the 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 assumption being that the union would be able to uh, to afford certain benefits to its uh, to its members or is it are we being a little naive because the flip side would be that well the I'm not going to negotiate with the union I'm just I'm the employer to heck with you guys I'm not, and all you non-union guys I'll give you an extra buck an hour well from a legal perspective, right now, you could not do that. But that's not to say that any government can't change that. So really, it, it is a, it, it's a political will issue uh, in terms of making unions uh, no longer mandatory if they're in uh, a particular workplace. But would it work? Would it protect? Would it protect those people who, and Bob may disagree with this, but those people who sometimes do need protection from the employer? Quite frankly, that's the whole argument for unions, isn't it? Wait a minute. And that's no, 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 no. Not protect from the employer. Protect from the other labor competition. That's what unions do. We have laws, basically contract law, that protects the the employee from the employer, as well as a myriad of laws that that ironically unions have fought for to some degree, that ensure workplace safety and certain standards and 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 put responsibility where it belongs on employers, but unfortunately not as much on employees. So I don't see it as being between employee and employer. I, I think that, and as I pointed out to Mr. Ryan, I said that when, when, when a group of unionized employees go on strike, they're striking against competitive labor. They call them scabs. They make up all kinds of nasty names about, all the, who, who, about the people who are their real enemy. It's not the employer. Uh, if anything, labor should be, you know, in cheer of the employers, if you want to get, you know, if you want to get jobs in this country, what we need is more employers. Well, I, I certainly agree that perhaps the the fundamental reasons that unions began a hundred years ago, or or a little more than that, and certainly we had guilds going hundreds of years mm -hmm. before. That the collective uh, aspect of labor coming together is certainly not a 20th century phenomenon. Oh, no. It's been recognized throughout time that. There is power in collectivity. Probably the, the modern-day union as we know it 
did emerge out of the very things you mentioned, workplace safety, exploitation uh, by the employer. And I don't deny that what we had 100 years ago is probably not going on to the same extent today. So we don't see the immediacy, perhaps, of the, of the need for a union. Uh, on the other side of it, though, if you say to people, this is strictly voluntary, I, I, would, I would say that you would probably have unions in very difficult positions almost immediately. Well, I couldn't think of anything worse to say about a union <laughs> than what was just said there. Uh, Ryan, have you got the spot there? Yeah, we're all set. Okay, that, Ryan's going to roll this, folks. This is the, uh, the ad that's been running across, uh, across Ontario. Uh, but pay attention to it if you would, and we'll be back in a second to talk some more about it. Stay with us. Ontario's big union bosses are giving some of this province's workers a bad case of the blues. You might call it the forced dues blues. It happens when a union boss takes money a worker is forced to pay through dues and uses it to finance a political cause the worker doesn't believe in. And that's what's happening. Ontario's union bosses plan to spend millions of dollars squeezed from forced dues to push their own political agenda. That means unionized workers are being forced to support the union boss political agenda, whether they agree with it or not. That's not democracy. That's just plain wrong. Contact your MPP today and demand the government change Ontario's labor laws so that freedom of political choice is restored to all workers. No one should be forced to support the political opinion of a union boss or anyone else. No one should have to suffer the forced dues blues. A message from Ontarians for responsible government. Now, th that's their story. That's their side of the story. Uh, I'm sure the union side would be, uh, as we've as we've talked about to a certain extent here, that there there are some collective goals that uh, the union leadership believes are important. They believe that this government has not been fair to labor. They believe that this government has been has been has discriminated against them and has enacted legislation that's prejudicial. And this is uh, you know that's why they think it's appropriate to do this. Um, this is left, right, and center. Of course, you're always welcome to join us on this program, 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel. And we'll be back in a moment to take your calls. Do you, do you like that ad? Do you think that ad is right? Or do you think that the unions are right, that, that they, the, the union leaders believe they're fighting for what's right for their people, and one way they're going to do that is to fight by supporting parties that are opposed to the government? What do you think? 643-1290, star-1290 on the Cantel the lottery, but let's get back to our discussion today with Elena Dempsey and Bob Metz, and we've got Bill waiting on the line. Hi, Bill. Hello. Yes, sir. Uh, this fellow that's on there now, I think he's a, he don't like the unions to start with. Yeah. Okay? Well, that's no crime. That's not no, true. No, it isn't a crime, it's but not uh, true either. also, if every member that's, that's like, uh, in a union, the ones that uh, are not, uh, don't want, are, are, they have to Everybody has to pay union dues. Well, what's the, I guess the, what we're discussing today, Bill, is, what is why the has to? Why has to? Why do they have for to For the that? simple reason that when uh, uh, you go for negotiations. Yep. Well, we understand that, so everybody benefits. But That's right. What if the people who didn't belong to the union didn't benefit? Should they still have to pay? What, what if the deal was, okay, you can join the union or not, the union is going to negotiate with the employer, and all the people who are members of the union, they'll get the benefit of those negotiations. And those individuals, they don't get those benefits. Would that be okay then, Bill? Well, as far as I'm concerned, they're, 
they if they don't want to uh, get involved, then they're then they're they've got no other choice but that isn't the way it works. No, but what if it did work that way? That's well, it that, won't. Well, why not? It could. The government could do it tomorrow. They could pass legislation tomorrow, making that work. Would that well, be this, a bad thing? This, this Ontario government well, would that is be a bad thing, Bill? Birds, as far well, as I'm concerned. Well, Bill, answer my question if you'd be so kind. Would that be a bad thing? If the the union negotiated for its members and they got the best deal they could, and the people who didn't want to participate in the union to heck with them, they don't get the deal. Is there anything wrong with that? No, I don't go along with that at all. Why not? What's wrong with that? Well, then your discrimination against them. How are you doing that? Well, if they don't want to belong, yeah, and they will say they get a was, it's a, it's a, it's an outlandish thing. But suppose they get a buck an hour, yeah. And the people that don't belong to the unions, they they they, uh, they don't get they don't get the buck an hour, whatever they whatever they where they, sure. uh, they their 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 wages are. Stay, they they'll freeze them, freeze their wages. Yeah. Well, so then they should join the union, shouldn't they? Right. Yeah. Now, case in point, uh, the uh, Tallaville, uh, so the. Uh, uh, well, quick, Bill, we got people waiting here. Okay. What's, you want to make a point? Yes. Okay, what's the point? Uh, Freightliner in, in St. Thomas. Yes. They have the same and sometimes a better deal yeah. than the ones at the Ford plant. Yeah. For the simple reason that they don't want the unions in there. Yeah. Is there something wrong with that? No, it isn't. But if it wasn't for the unions in the first place, yeah. they wouldn't be thinking this way. Mm -hmm. Well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense then maybe for the for inside one industry to have some union and some non-union because maybe the union guys there would drive up the wages for everybody. Wouldn't that make sense? Well, why is it a good thing to strike? drive up wages? I'm sorry, Bill? I say if they ever went out on strike, then you have scabs going in there to do the work. Well, maybe, maybe not. You have that now, don't you? Not really. What's a scab, Bill? Hey? What's a scab? You know what a scab is? Well, I just want to hear your definition. I want to hear, hear a I, I want to, I'll tell you what a scab is. Working, taking over a job that somebody is, is, is uh... That somebody said they didn't want because they're on strike. No, no, they did they, no, no, they, they, they <laughs> that's well, what I say. Well, if they wanted the job, Bill, why aren't they working? They're fighting for better conditions. Yeah, and they're absolutely free to do that. That's right. But why shouldn't somebody else be free to come in and take that job? If they're, if they're happy with the conditions that are there. Oh, Bill, we have to leave it there. We've got other people waiting, but I do yeah. appreciate your call, sir. Thanks yeah, for right. joining us. Larry's with us next. Hi, Larry. Morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, the Bob Metz? Yeah, yes. Bob's here, yes. And your lady, Jeff? Uh, Elena Dempsey's here, yes. I, I worked for the federal government for 21 years from 1975 to 1996, and I paid union dues without complaint out of my pay, and we lost our jobs because of the federal government cutbacks. So yeah. where, where do I stand there for, as far as paying? We were, we were forced to pay the dues, too. Well, was your money well spent But while you were there? Did they get you good working conditions and so on? Well, we got that, but the point is when the rumors so what else did you that the jobs were going to be going. Yeah, but what else did you want? What else did you yeah. expect them to do? The job security. I thought, figured they where, would Where on jobs. planet Earth does that exist, Larry? Okay. Where does job security exist on well, anywhere I, I, on the I've planet? I've been saying that to other people all along, like like the nurses to strike in Saskatchewan. They wanted uh, job security too. Well, listen, when a union tells you they're offering you job security, maybe if you base it on your experience, you could kind of figure out. Well, they're not telling you the truth. Mm hmm. But the point is, we we lost our jobs because of the federal government cutbacks, oh, and, yeah. and the unions just kind of turn out their backs on us. 
So the, you, you don't think the unions fought hard for you? Usually, usually they well, fight well, pretty hard for that. Unions oh. fight hard to, to for, you know, this came up with me and Sid Ryan. You know, un, unions mm -hmm. fight very hard for a lot of the welfare programs we have and the social programs that create a lot of high taxes that drive prices up and create create the very problem. Yeah, but they do. Well, come on now, but they do that for, they do it for noble motives, don't they? Else. They do it to keep competitive labor out of the marketplace. They'd rather see a guy on welfare than get rid of minimum wage. That's how they think. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's the equation, though. Well, the, 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 well, the option is not just get rid of minimum wage. There are a lot of other options out there, too. No, but it's just, just one example. Uh, I mean, if you prefer people on welfare and all these social systems, see what they're doing is driving the, the cost of everything up, and our taxes go up precipitously, and then governments can't afford to keep guys like Larry employed. No. That's the bottom line, is it? Larry, thanks for the call today. Thank you, and, and you're saying unions caused all that? They contribute to it. I don't, I, not alone. I'm, they've got a lot of you know, accomplices in, in the action. I don't see the connection between unions and forcing people to take welfare. Unions are, are political lobby groups. When I was talking to Sid Ryan, for example, he, half the conversation was about all the welfare and, and social programs that this government should be putting money into and that his union lobbies to see that that is done. So when, when you give your money to a, a union, they're using it for these kinds of political purposes in addition to giving it to political parties that you might not agree with, who also promulgate the same kind of policies. Well, I, I think there's a difference between supporting uh, social programs and actively saying that, that unions would prefer to see people on welfare than getting minimum wage. I don't see that connection. Well, because because if, if we got rid of minimum wage, then they know their, their members' wages would have to go down. There'd be more competitive labor. You know, anyone who's willing to work, work less than a union person, whether even if it's above minimum wage, I mean, that's what they call a scab. And that's the question Larry didn't want to answer there. Well, the problem with minimum wage issues is that there's there's something based on the reasoning behind minimum wage and that is what can people provide to the workforce their labor at a price that gives them a, a living wage well but that presupposes that every job must offer a living wage there are a lot of little jobs that don't have to offer a living wage that you can offer to people who don't need a living wage um, I've seen many times in my experience people who could live on $2 and $4 and $5 an hour because they had other circumstances in their life that allowed them to do that. So that when you create a minimum wage, even with the best of intentions, all you're doing is taking that class of people and, and declaring them unemployed. Well, if, if someone is able to work for $2 an hour, really we're not very concerned about them being unemployed if they don't choice. get that two dollar an hour job well wouldn't you say i mean what, anyone that can work for two dollars an hour seems to me to have independent means pretty much yeah well then, then we're not concerned about them to, well we are in the sense that we don't allow anybody to pay anybody two dollars then hour. they can volunteer unless they're self-employed of course yeah and that, that's true but they could volunteer then. If they want to put their time into something outside the home, they can do volunteer so, work. But we're not talking about volunteer work. We might be talking about stuffing envelopes for, for an organization for a few hours or, or doing all kinds of small jobs, particularly jobs that require low skills, which aren't very valuable to begin with. I, get, I think that that's a bit of a, a red herring, to be quite frank. Most people that go out into the workforce want to be paid a decent wage. Sure they do. 
And, and the minimum wage will, law will make no difference to them. Most people will not work for less than even twice the minimum wage, and you don't need a law to put them in that frame of mind. It doesn't have to be like that. Well, I don't know, I don't know that that's true. Most people will work for what they consider a fair wage. And the minimum wage has been, you would say arbitrarily, but it has been set based on certain criteria that if this amount is paid, a certain living uh, wage is then earned. Can you, can you live on minimum wage today? Uh, well, I don't think you can, but it's, I guess, a compromise between the forces that say we can't afford to pay anymore and, and the forces that say you need to pay more. So it's a compromise. There's no doubt. I, I don't think anyone will live well. Oh, it's well. not a compromise. It, the job disappears. It's gone. The compromise results in one less job. If there's an employer who cannot afford to pay 10 bucks an hour but can only afford to pay four, uh, the $4 job's gone. He can't do it unless he does it illegally, and then he becomes a criminal in his own country. We have to pause for just a second here. Got some important messages. This is Left, Right, and Center on Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK on location. You're listening to Jim Chapman, the choice of London, the voice of London, right here on 1290 CJBK. We're back live at the House of Hope for uh, Bethany's Hopes and Dreams Lottery, and it's left, right, and center with uh, Elena Dempsey sitting in for Jeff Schlemmer. Bob Metz is here, and Vicky's been waiting very patiently on the phone. Hi, Vicki. Hi. Hi there. I wanted to make a comment about the ad that you um, played on the air yes. and about some of the sort of broad brush stroke comments that have been made. Sure. I'm a member of a union, and we are a nonpartisan union, and that is clear from the membership. And... The union's position on things is driven from the membership. Yeah. So when I hear that ad, it, it um, you know, brushing everyone into the same pot and deciding that all unions are just unions and they're all like that is, I think, really fundamentally wrong. It's like saying all lawyers are, all radio broadcasters are, and I'm just kind of confused by the conversation. I guess the, uh, the, the, uh, the ad, and I don't have it in front of me here, but the ad that just ran, it talks about the big union bosses, the Sid Ryans and those people who have definitely taken this position on, I, on behalf I'm, of their unions. I can't hear you, sorry. Uh, well, I can't do anything about that, Sorry. I'm afraid. Uh, is that any better? Yeah, that's much okay. better. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, the, the ad says that it talks about the big union bosses, and by implication, and Sid Ryan and those guys who have very plainly said that that is exactly what mm -hmm. they are doing. No, no, I, you know, I didn't get the sense. I certainly understand if you were offended by that, but I don't think their intent was to, to suggest that, that, that all union people were bad. In fact, they're targeting the, the leaders who are saying, we're taking your money whether you like it or not. You said your union is nonpartisan, but they're not all nonpartisan. I, that's right. I think the ad is saying one thing, and that's the forced, forced dues blues. And that is, are you saying then, Vicki, that in your union nobody's forced to pay and you're all, all joined voluntarily? What I'm saying is that in my union, um, union dues are not used for, nor do we uh, give donations to political um, parties. If, if you had a vote in the union... Uh, and I do. Uh, no, but if there was a vote and the, and the question was, we are going to contribute to a political party, and the vote was 51% to 49% in favor of it, mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel about it? And, and you're one of the 49%. How would you feel then? 
Well, I'm, I'm in a democratic organization, the same as in this province. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the collective, when you talk about collective, you talk about the collective of the province of Ontario, and I'm in a collective in the Ontario Nurses Association, which I belong. Right. And if the collective, the majority of the collective in a democratic organization votes to go yes, Mm-hmm. then that's the way we move. So that not, is what it that's yeah. what it's about. So they're and not really do, I can so, live with that. So they're not really dues where you're paying our taxes then. Pardon me? So you're not really paying dues, you're paying taxes. Well, I mean, you can make the same analogy. Mm-hmm. Okay. But does, does democracy belong in a place of employment? I think that you know when you have an employer, the employer is dictates really. That's it's his it's his place of business. Yeah, there's and, management rights, yeah. Yes. But uh, you know, so why does not why do not individuals maintain their individual rights when they join this collective why do they have to be stripped of their rights well i don't believe that they are stripped of their rights give me some examples of rights that well people like are being of. forced to pay uh, dues that i might not agree with for but whatever they, reason they have could a be religious could, to be employed there or not well that's true they? but yes. but wh- where did that choice come from you see the further back you go you start realizing that obligation and situation was placed on the public and the industry by government because no union can force itself upon a business unless the government gives it the legislation to enable it to do so. That's and true. That's, and, that's, and, that's why, and that's why I think that the ad by the Ontarians for Responsible Government is a responsible ad, and it speaks accurately that that is the issue, that we must end forced dues. In no other activity of human activity can, you know, can I think of that people would accept this kind of thing. But in you know, unions and government, it seems to be okay. Well, I, I think Vicki makes a, a very important point. The ad is uh, lacking in a certain amount of, of nuance. It. Uh, but in their defense, they only have 30 seconds, yeah. too, Elena. You've got to get your message out in 30 seconds. And if it's misleading in 30 seconds, perhaps it's a message that shouldn't be put out. How, but, has, it been, how, is, how is it misleading? Well, I think Vicki's made the very point that she's under the impression that, that the ad gives the feeling that people are paying these forced dues and then contributing directly to political parties. And well, that, that does happen. It might not happen in her u- union, but the fact is her union could do it if it wanted to. It and could that, do it. And that and means that she as a member doesn't have any rights. No. Yes, they do have rights. Well, she has have right to vote. rights, and she's a but member. if you lose a vote, there goes your right. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a ridiculous uh, leap that you're making. Why? Well, no, it's not. You it have a right ridiculous. to your own Everyone labor. has a right to vote. That's my right to vote. Whether or not goes my way... You know that that's that's the luck of the game. So you are know? you saying that if, if we had to vote for food and for clothes, same thing in a political election in my municipality, in my province, in my country? What if there I was mean, a so vote? I jump up and say it didn't. The vote didn't go my way, so I'm opting out of Ontario. <laughs> you know, Wish that, we you know I don't understand well, the leap sure. you make. <laughs> Government is, a, is an entirely different thing, and, and that's why we shouldn't make... <laughs> see, government should be the arbiter, should be the, the referee in the game, shouldn't be, in, shouldn't be the employer, shouldn't be the person making the rules and playing in the game. That's, that's unfair by any standard, I can think. Thank you. We have to leave it there, but I appreciate your call, and I, I hope you felt you had your point. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Furlan's with us. Hi, Furlan. Good morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Just got about a minute here for you. Okay, just make it quick. I, I bet you 80 to 100 years ago there were guys like Bob saying there's absolutely nothing with uh, working 60 hours a week. It'd be fine. <laughs> when did I say that? Well, I'm, I'm not saying that you say that. I'm saying what you're saying today. What is he saying today specifically, just so we understand what you're hearing? Um, uh, complaining about what the unions are bargaining for, bargaining for better. I didn't work complain about that. I, I have one complaint. Just making it make, better. Make for it the voluntary. Worker. 
And I'm trying to say that probably a hundred years ago... But Ferland, all Bob said, we understand, all Bob said was, and he just repeated it again, he just wants it to be voluntary rather my, than compulsory. That's my only issue. I have no other issue with unions. None. Okay, well, None. I would agree with that, that, that you're also saying, I, I'm trying to say that probably a hundred years ago there was someone saying that exact same thing. Well, a hundred years ago there were people saying all sorts of things. What's the point, Ferland? The, the point is, is that I think there's always going to be that argument. Yeah, but which, which argument is right, Ferland? That's the issue. As a matter of fact, this argument's been going on for thousands of years. Plato and Aristotle discussed it. Right. And so, but which one of them was right? Which one is, which one is correct? Are we entitled to our freedom of political choice, as it says in the ad? Are we entitled to, uh, to choose our associations and the groups that we join? Or because we want a particular job, does the government have a right to, right to force us to join this other particular association that has its own interests? Well, I feel with the union that you have to you have to take the good with the bad. Right. I, I would agree with you if it was a voluntary situation. I wouldn't argue with that at all. But Ferland, you are volunteering by your vote, by your. No, you're vote. not. No, you're not. If you if you have to pay the dues, then it's not voluntary. It's that simple. It's a tax. It's not dues. It's a tax. Well, the the only way out of that is the the majority of the workers have to vote out those people and say no, we don't want a union. You can go to. Uh, Places where you can vote out a union. No, it, it, it has happened. Yeah, that's true. Ferland, thank you for your call today. Okay, Jim, Appreciate it, sir. You too. And uh, I guess, uh, Robert, last word to you and then the extra last word to Elena. Well, I just have one point about unions. Make them voluntary. That's all I can say. Elena? And if we lived in a perfect world, maybe we could do that. Thanks to both of you for being part of the program today. And Elena, particularly, thank you for coming by and sitting in for Jeff. You're very welcome. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you come back again. Thank you. Okay. I'd love to. Great. Stay with us, folks. We're going to come back and give you an update on uh, why we're here and what's happening here at the House of Hope today, the tickets that are being sold, and how you can be a part of it. 643-1290, start 1290 on the Cantel.